the way that we talk about entitlement, entitlement is that sense that I have um, done something, so I deserve this. Um, that I, that kind of the difference between entitlement and reward is entitlement says I deserve this, reward says I have earned this. And these are significant issues that if I'm not aware of how they're operating, that they can be very subtle in someone's life. But again, all we have to do is crack that door open and then we begin to move towards the acting out. with you today and we have really great one of our most special guests absolutely you know uh, we've had so many calls so many uh, emails and telegrams uh, (laughs) begging us to once again bring the clinical director of faithful and true Jim Farm back onto the program how are you Jim I am doing well especially after that introduction yeah. well we're we're in the encouragement business that's right and we're I'm, in, here. I'm impressed by the telegram contingent <laughs> there are you so know, many of those reaching out it tells Western you Randy's Union. age yeah. not Western email Union. but telegram yeah I'm giving away my age Western Union appreciates the free plug but uh, we are here today and uh, happy it seems like it's been a long time since we Back here. So it's good to be back. Yeah, it is great to be back. And of course, we are here with our host, Dr. Greg Miller. And uh, happy to see you arrive safely from Chicago. Absolutely. And happy to be here today. So what are we going to tell our listeners about today? Well, um, as Jim and I have been talking about some of the topics that we could discuss, one of the ones that came up is understanding more of the motivations that kind of open the door to the acting out. Because what's true is most of the men who come through our workshop, there is a part of them that desperately doesn't want to act out again, and then they find themselves doing it. And so we want to take some time and just address two issues that we see are pretty significant and that need to be addressed and understood if I'm going to be free and going to be sober. So what we're going to be talking today is about the role that reward and entitlement play in opening the door up to acting out. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we want to think about when we talk about entitlement, for example, like like you said, most guys would say, I really don't want to do this, mm-hmm. you know. And so one of the things that I'll have them think about as we work through entitlement are, I, I kind of describe it as, what is your permission statement? Mm-hmm. What are the statements that give you permission to do something that when you think about it, you really don't want to do? Absolutely. And the way that we talk about entitlement, entitlement is that sense that I have um, done something, so I deserve this. Um, that I, that kind of the difference between entitlement and reward is entitlement says I deserve this, reward says I have earned this. And these are significant issues that if I'm not aware of how they're operating, that they can be very subtle in someone's life. But again, all we have to do is crack that door open. And then we begin to move towards the acting out. So what do you see in men's life? How does that entitlement show up? That idea of, I deserve this. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, you know, and I think this often starts, it's learned earlier in life that, you know, when we experience a hurt, a harm, or what I kind of describe as as a grievance, you know, Mm -hmm. something grieved me. Um, At some point I attached um, 
a, a statement that, well, then I, I am owed this because this happened to me. Right. You know, so examples, you know, I think one of the bigger ones is, for example, when, when a guy may get in conflict with his wife or he doesn't feel heard by his wife, I'm owed because she's not listening to me. Absolutely. Or I had a bad day at work, thus, you know, I deserve this today. You know, one of the factors that I see for men is this idea of life being fair. And if, if we grow up with this idea that life is going to be fair and we experience what we perceive as injustice, then that really plays into this idea of being owed. That this is the way I expected my life to play out. These are the things that I feel like I deserve or I, I'm owed because it's not meeting my standard or my expectation and for a lot of men, that standard or expectation comes from that sense of fairness. That's this right. isn't fair, therefore I, I, I'm owed this acting out. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And from a faith component, uh, we aren't promised fairness. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, we're, we're promised that we'll go through difficult times. We mm-hmm. will experience um, tribulations and trials. And so oftentimes, you know, is it, it, part of working through that entitlement then is our ability to enter into our grief, mm-hmm. you know, to enter into that hurt or harm that we experienced, allowing ourselves, which is the scary part, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with whatever did hurt us or right. harm us. Well, and one of the ways that we can know that we are grieving well is that grief moves us forward. And I think for a lot of people, we have this misconception that grief will hold us hostage, that it's like a, a, a swamp that we will get stuck in. But the reality is grief is what moves us forward so that we don't live in the pain and the chaos and held hostage by that. And grief doesn't mean that the pain goes away, but it simply means that we are no longer being defined by the pain that we have experienced. Yeah, yeah. I'm often, I often think about that. One of those definitions of grief is this, this gripping that won't release. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard that as a definition of grief before, but there's some truth to that. And I think I think there, there's a sense of that if we don't actually lean into the grief, it will continue to grip us. Right. You know, from a, from a faith, faith-based perspective, I often talk about, you know, Jesus' example with, you know, Lazarus's death. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously Mary and Martha come to Jesus and, and say, you know, we, we need you to heal Lazarus. I, obviously, I'm paraphrasing here to get right. to the story, but um, Jesus seemingly takes his time. And then um, he you know, Lazarus eventually dies and Martha's upset. Why did you not come earlier? You know, and it seems like even at that point, Jesus is still taking his time. And eventually, you know, Matthew reports, Jesus wept with them. And my thoughts are, if Jesus knew, you know, that he was going to heal Lazarus, why didn't he just do it right away and allow everybody not to go through all this pain and, and grief? Including himself. Including himself. You know, yeah. and so the, it, it really, I think for me, it, what it means to me then, there must be something beneficial about entering into the grief um, that, that Jesus saw as important, rather than just trying to avoid that, but leaning into that. And, and that's what he did. And, and it doesn't escape me that, you know, when Jesus is on the cross, who's at the feet of Jesus? Right, right. Right. Well, and I think also it's this idea that we, we would like for our faith and our relationship with Christ to keep us from hurting. And this is a great example because here are people that knew Jesus well. Um, John is very clear that Jesus loved this family and this family loved Jesus. And yet that love was not enough to keep them from having to go through their hurt and their grief. And 
you know, the scripture says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so therefore, what we know is there won't be comfort without mourning. Mm-hmm. And right. entitlement is that desire that we will be comforted without having to go through the mourning. Mm-hmm. And that sense of, I deserve this, and kind of the um, a baptized version of, I think, entitlement is self-righteousness. And ironically, it is in self-righteousness for people of faith that can move them towards their addiction. Um, And so therefore, I deserve this thing, even though it may be destructive, but I deserve it because I've worked so hard to be the kind of person that I think that God is wanting me to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true, Greg. I think one of the other components too, not in addition to you know being able to, I'm owed because of this grievance. I do also think entitlement can be born in experiences of overindulgence or over involvement of a, of of a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know you, you gain the sense of entitlement because you know you've out you've always been you know provided with an overindulgence of things. All right. Well, and it's it's like a lesson I learned. I experienced it. If the parent is constantly trying to make sure the child has not just what they need, but beyond that. That's right. And we do live in a culture that tells us that good parenting is about providing all of these opportunities and these resources and in some way not saying no. So it makes perfect sense that a child can grow up from that environment believing that these things are naturally going to come to them. And that sense that they are naturally going to come to me is about entitlement. You know, thinking of the scripture again, another image of entitlement comes from the story of the loving parent who had two lost sons. And a lot of times we refer to this as the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. But it's the older brother who has that sense of entitlement. I, I've always been here. I've done what you've told me to do. And here you're celebrating the younger brother who's mm-hmm. come home. And it's that sense that I can do something in such a way that I am owed this kind of response from others, from my wife, from God. And one of the things that we know in, in kind of addiction strategy and understanding is as soon as we believe that we deserve something, like you first talked about, that is the permission that we need in order to move forward with it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of the, I mean, if, if our listeners are wanting to really start to dive deeper into this is to really ask themselves, you know, when they have struggled, what are, what are the things that they say to themselves to get them to that next mm-hmm. step? Right. Yeah. Cause it'll, it'll help them to kind of understand what's, what's, you know, what am I addressing here? Right. Where, where did this statement originate? Where do I hear myself saying this through my experiences? And it really starts to help us to understand, you know, where's, where's this driver for, for the energy behind the addiction coming from? And, and I think that this idea of entitlement or I'm owed this or I deserve this can be so subtle that it really takes a certain level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Because another way that it can show up is in this idea of being a victim. Um, we talk here about there's a difference between being victimized and becoming a victim. Um, victim is when I allow what has happened to me or what I've experienced to define me and become my identity. Victimization is something that happens to me, but I'm not defined by it. But when we are living in that victim place where we've allowed these things that have happened to me um, to become who I am and to define me, that's when I begin to have that sense of entitlement. Because this happened to me, because this is my life, then I do deserve these special treats of the addiction and acting out. Yeah, 
Yeah, and like you often say, you know, at the workshop when you're teaching, Greg, you know, one, one of the ways, first steps out of that place of, of being in a victim is I, I just begin to speak into what happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because when I speak into it, then I, I stop holding all the consequences for what happened to me. Right. Well, and speaking of consequences, isn't it fairly common that after the acting out has taken place, that's where the guilt and the shame sets in? That's right. That, that right. The, after they have done that, they, they felt entitled you know, to, to do that. Uh, and yet, after they do, then they are overwhelmed by the feelings of guilt and shame. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, and what's interesting about what you're saying, Randy, is that entitlement knocks us out of truth and reality. Mm-hmm. That this sense of I deserve this is no longer the truth. And so it's not until the acting out is over that many times that re- reality and truth comes crashing in. And that's when I'm left with the, the guilt and the shame right. and the awareness of what it is that I've done. And so even as I'm moving towards entitlement, another way that I can deal with it, not just beyond you know, acknowledging the pain and the grief that needs to be expressed, but reminding myself of what is true, what is true about me, what is true about God, what is true about the acting out. And that truth, when I'm able to recalibrate into that, actually does have the capacity to set me free. Yeah. Um, What we also said was um, this idea of reward. So we talked about this idea that entitlement and the beliefs that go along with that can open up the door to acting out. But another one that we talk about at the workshop is the sense of reward. And like I said at the beginning, reward is this belief that I have earned this. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is that you have a perception of, I've been doing this and I've been doing this, um, that opens up the door for the reward that then allows me to justify my acting out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it really is, because what, what, what we're doing then is we're, you know, obviously talking from a neurochemistry perspective then is we're attaching that dopamine, you know, the, the, the brain system that God created in us to reward something um, that might not necessarily be, you know, a good thing to be rewarding neurochemically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In other words, we're, we're associating a reward with internalization or the lack of expressing pain or hurt or being vulnerable. You know, one of the great ironies is I've talked to men who were doing well in their recovery behaviorally. They were not acting out. They were doing their meetings. They were working accountability. And they were so um, aware of all the hard work that they've done that they determined that their reward for working recovery was to act out. So it's interesting how um, if we have this idea of reward, then consciously and unconsciously, we're creating a checklist of all of our good actions and behaviors that then creates the sense of, okay, I have earned this, now I get to act out. Mm-hmm. Is that a key component then to a relapse? It can be. When, when I start believing that I have earned the right to act out, you know, and, and what's interesting, it's an it's a imbalanced understanding of morality you know, we see this idea of, you know, getting demerits or getting positive marks. Well, if I get enough positive marks, if I get enough stickers next mm-hmm. to my name, then I get a treat. And now I perceive the acting out as a treat. And once I perceive it as a treat, then that's going to lead me to the possible relapse. Yeah, yeah. And I, that, that brings me to one, one of the things when I talk about entitlement. Well, how do we, how do we deal with entitlement? And I, I do think, you know, 
rather than thinking through the lens of reward, is thinking through the lens of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, it's it's this approach of thankfulness for, um, you know, the, not only what God's done in my life in terms of the relapse, but you know, the, the uh, individuals that have come around me in terms of this recovery and being grateful for the awarenesses that that God's provided me in this recovery process. Right, and. So we talk about addiction as occurring anytime someone is trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way in a repetitive pattern. And recovery is when we identify the legitimate need and we meet it legitimately. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Mm self-care. And so when I am able as a wise adult to make choices that really are nurturing my soul and taking care of myself, and I'm living in that space of self-care, then I don't have the distorted perspective of earning the reward that I truly understand my legitimate needs and I'm meeting them legitimately versus some sort of false substitute that ultimately isn't going to meet my needs and isn't going to take care of me in the way that I need. Mm-hmm. And I think that self-care, just even at the subconscious level, at least you know, for, for most individuals, will communicate a sense of value. Mm-hmm. That you, you, you've started to develop a sense of personal value for yourself. Right. You know, that entitlement doesn't do for you. Well, and you know what's interesting is the language may be the same. You know, this idea of with self-care, because of who God is and who God has created me to be, I am needful. I I do have needs. And there are certain things that um, I need to move towards in order to meet those needs. And there are ways that community can come around me to meet those needs. So to, to begin with the premise that I am needful is actually a wise adult thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that other piece of clearly identifying what is my need and what is the legitimate way to meet my need. And one of the lies that addicts can easily believe is whatever my addiction is, whether it's in our case sex addiction or if it's substances or behaviors, whatever they may be, it's in that moment of acting out, I believe that this is going to meet my needs. And it's going to satisfy me. It's going to take care of me. Um, And it's that language that we use with fantasies. If this thing were to happen, then everything would be okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's a a lie that we can get pulled into. But even that lie of everything will be okay is driven by this beginning origin part of who we are, which is needful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's true. You know, and I think part of that, Greg, though, too, is developmental. I mean, for a lot of guys, the, this this mindset started early in life, and so it started off as as a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I engage in this to deal with my own needs and feelings, but we do have to make that shift in the recovery process, right? And recognize I have to take responsibility for my fee- feelings and needs, even if someone does hurt me, injure me. I have to realize I have to take responsibility for the impact of that. You know, and be able to recognize that I have to deal with those feelings myself, those needs, and the sense of owning those and being able to move those into community. Yeah, and kind of what you're identifying is it begins when someone has the self-awareness that they can right-size their own experiences. And I often tell men one of the most difficult things to do is to right-size our own experiences because we have a tendency to either minimize them and not give them the the value that they really deserve, or we catastrophize them, and we allow them to have much more power than they deserve. And so the wise adult can look at their history, their story, their experiences, and right-size them, and in that begin to see their needs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting how 
we talk about everybody is abandoned, everybody is invaded. It's not was I, it's to what extent. Mm -hmm. So in those places of abandonment, and abandonment is when I have a legitimate need and that need is not met. So in those places of abandonment, the child attempts to try to meet those needs for him or herself. Mm -hmm. Well, it makes sense that if a child is trying to meet needs that only an adult can meet, out of that wise place, the child's not going to be successful. And it is going to be that false attempt that can later lead to addiction. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't start out of some sort of sense of evil. It starts out of a naivete and an ab abandonment that the child is trying to, to do self-care, but just doesn't have the skill or the capacity to be able to do it. That's right. Yeah. And, and recognizing that from that childhood perspective, if you think of about childhood or adolescence, they're very dependent upon the adults in their mm -hmm. life. And so when there's a hurt or harm and there isn't that access from an adult perspective to work through that, of course they're going to become very self-focused. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we don't recognize that, that does leave us to this potential of developing this entitlement, which I think all of us have a certain degree of entitlement, so it's not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's probably a good place to say that this is something that we all struggle with. So it's not like some people have a sense of entitlement or some people have a reward system. We all have that. Um, I think for those who struggle with addiction, it's acknowledging the, the importance of paying attention to that. It's almost like a warning light on the dashboard. If I'm sensing a lot of entitlement, then that is an indication that there probably is something that I need to grieve. Mm -hmm. If I'm experiencing a lot of sense of a need for a reward or I've earned a reward, that's probably an indication that there's some self-care that I am needing. So there are healthy solutions to these issues. So it's not about ignoring them. In fact, that becomes more destructive. It's actually about stewarding them. And so recognizing what is my entitlement trying to tell me about myself or what is this reward system that I've created trying to tell me about myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I often, when I'm working with a, a guy in their recovery plan, one of the things I will talk to him about is when they're experiencing anger. And I know, you, I think you talk a little bit about this at the workshop, is oftentimes, you know, AA would call it, you engage in the stinking thinking, mm -hmm. right? Which two forms are entitlement and justification. Right. And so oftentimes this internalized anger will lead me to, the, to that uh, entitlement or, or to the resentments and then into this entitlement. So it's really important, I think, for guys, you know, if they experience this anger, is to really ask themselves if they're starting to recognize um, these statements of entitlement. Is there a hurt or a harm or something that I haven't addressed? Right. Personal yeah. maintenance required. Right on <laughs> right. the dashboard. Yeah. That's right. Well, and one, <laughs> one thing that I see is for a lot of us, the, the early warning is bitterness. Yeah. That bitterness is, I believe, an unprocessed grief and maybe an anger kind of combined together in this toxic sense. So then bitterness can lead to that resentment. Resentment leads to entitlement, and then the entitlement leads to justification. And when I'm at justification, as we began, I've just given myself permission to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of tracing it back to do that self-check, that self-awareness of how bitter am I? What do I have bitterness about? Because bitterness in the moment may not lead me to acting out, but unsupervised bitterness can eventually lead to that justification, which then opens that door. That's right. That's right. So what is a closing thought that we can leave our viewers and listeners with on this topic? You want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think you scared me. I thought I had stumped you. <laughs> well, me and Greg were kind of <laughs> back, going and, back forth. and forth yeah. trying to see who was going to go Tell first. Empathy. You know, my, I guess the, the main thing that I think about in terms of entitlement is, you know, what am I not addressing? What's the hurt or harm that I'm not addressing that I need to lean into? Mm-hmm. You know, um, rather than you know, letting my anger take me to that next level. And I'm just not just talking about in terms of maybe sexually acting out, but maybe doing something I normally would not want to do. Sure. You know? Yeah. The, the other thing I would just say, say is um, to really grow in our capacity to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that we regularly talk about here is that if I'm not self-aware, I'm like a bulldozer just in a china shop, just plowing over and hurting the people around me and hurting myself. And so as I grow in my self-awareness and I'm able to recognize that sense of entitlement or that desire for a reward, instead of going to my shame, I go to truth. And the truth is, if I'm feeling entitled, there is probably something in me that is wounded and hurting. There probably is something that I need to mourn so I can be comforted. And if I'm going to a reward, there is probably a need that I need to address. My needfulness is expressing itself, and there is some sort of self-care that I need to pay attention to. We hope that today's podcast has been beneficial to you and that this conversation has maybe opened your eyes to a need that uh, you should take a closer look at the self-care that you may need. Uh, And we we hope that uh, today's message will help you find that. Uh, we'd like to invite you all, in case you have not yet visited faithfulandtrue.com, uh, to visit our website and to notice all of the information that's on there about our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshop, which we are thrilled to announce starting tomorrow is back here in our center in person. Uh, we have handled uh, the situation that was given to us through the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, we're excited to have men uh, back here in person. Uh, to participate in the workshop. Uh, Registration and information about the workshop is on the website at faithfulandtrue.com, as well as information about the women's workshop and the couples workshops. So uh, we also have this new YouTube channel, Faithful and True YouTube channel, and we invite you to visit, subscribe, and click the like button uh, when you view one of these podcasts. So until we can join you again next time, We hope that the coming week for you is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and great visions.